you know, a lot of folks think that our faith is about getting to heaven. And that when we get to heaven, it'll all be okay. Which, of course, it will. And oftentimes, we, we carry on our life as if there's this, this moment where we cross over and get to heaven and we've got our ticket and we're fine when we get there. Jesus didn't come so that you could go to heaven. Jesus came so that you might know him. You see, just imagine heaven without Jesus at the center. What would be the point? What would be the point of going to heaven if he wasn't there? And Jesus, he's not too concerned about that moment when we go there. He's concerned about this moment when we're right here. And he wants us to know him. To know his love for us. You know, when I did a lot more business, there was this, this phrase that people used to use. And it's a true phrase. And it was talking about how you should actually be interested in the people that you're doing business with and working with. And the phrase was this, I don't care how much you know until I know you care about me. And there's a truth in that. There's a truth in that we can learn from. Let me rephrase that in Jesus' terms. I don't care how much you know. I care about who you know. You see, we we need to... The time is short and we need to move from this thing where we know a lot about Jesus and we know a lot about Christianity and, and we've got an answer for everything and yet we're not seeing everything that we should. It really is about who we know, not about what we know. And I want to encourage you to put that right at the centre of your thinking. I want to encourage us all as we, we gather in his presence on Sundays. To have Jesus right at the centre. Not church, not Mark, not Cheryl, not Olive, not Roger, not anybody else. But Jesus, right here at the centre. Because he's the only one really who is worthy of our attention. He's the only one who's worthy of our devotion. Not what this world has to offer. Not those goals we set ourselves. Those things we want to do by the time we're 30 or 40 or 50 or whatever it was. But Jesus. And he calls us to know him. 
to wait on him, to take the time to be in his presence. Jesus, we love your presence. We love it that you're here with us. We praise you, Jesus. We glorify you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. It's all about you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that this year more than ever, you will be our first love. You will be our first love. You will be our first love. Praise you, Jesus. Glorify you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. So Mark's going to come and preach. Got a new series starting. Well, he said it's going to be more than one week. So get ready for a, a good few weeks of teaching. Yeah, um, it's going to be more than one week because I know how long it takes me to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I've said I've nearly finished, you know, there's another 10 minutes, isn't there? So I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for Mark. I thank you for what you have put in him. I ask Holy Spirit that as he brings the word to us this morning, that we will remain in that presence, that your presence will soften our heart to receive your word. And I thank you that there is a word in here that is for everybody this morning and that we will leave having received and met with you forever changed, forever seeing more of who you are, your love. And we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 You kind of um, will need to bear with me on what I'm going to talk about this morning. Um, at this moment, it's incomplete. But I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts. And when I, when I say that, it's not to imply that he's not already working in our hearts. It's to encourage us to sustain and maintain what he is doing already and look for it to increase. What I'm going to do is I, I, I felt led to actually talk about a passage that I talk, we, we quote a lot in, in faith life. And 
And, and the passage, if you want to find it, although it might not do you any good when I explain this, is Proverbs chapter 3. And Proverbs chapter 3 starts with those fantastic words, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. And, and, we, and we, we use those and talk about those verses a lot. And they're true. The problem with talking about something a lot and hearing it a lot is it's then very easy to just think, I, I know that. I know that. And so I'm actually going to take a slightly different slant this morning and I'm going to actually uh, talk from the message version. Because the message, and, and as you know, that's unusual for me. I like my literal versions. But I feel that what God's got to say to us at the, the start of this year is so important, we almost need a fresh perspective on it. Otherwise, it's easy to say, I've heard that before. Does, does that make sense? And you see, here's the, the, the challenge that we find when we, we read verses like that, which is there is so much uncertainty about what anything looks like right at the moment. And there has been for two years. I was just thinking uh, earlier that, you know, we, two years ago, uh, we, we knew Heather was going to, to go up north to take on a new job. But actually, what happened was we met. We didn't know we weren't going to meet the next week. Heather got in a car and drove up north and we didn't see her again for two years. You know, it, it, there is an uncertainty that, is ta that occurs Suddenly, I know she's here this morning. I can see her because she's up there. Because I was looking over there, but she's moved. Here's the thing: there's uncertainty everywhere, isn't there? And and my, you know, I feel, I feel uncertain because in these times, it's not easy. In fact, it's very difficult to know how to lead a church because. Just simple things like, I don't know who's going to be here on a Sunday. Now, we should all be here on a Sunday, because that's what the Word tells us to do. But I don't know. And, and that makes things hard. It makes things unpredictable. And we don't know if there's going to be any changes to rules that we're going to have to cope with. We, we don't know what, what issues are going to arise amongst us. And there's this level of uncertainty that makes leading very difficult. And I guess it's kind of the same for you guys, isn't it? That whatever you're doing in your life, um, there's, there's a kind of, I don't want to plan that far ahead because I don't know what it's going to be. Just like thinking about, who's thinking about, I'd like to go on holiday, but I actually don't know what the rules will be, so I'm not going to do anything about it. And we've lived with all sorts of things like that, haven't we, for two years. Jill says she's gone anyway, is that right? Yeah, you're gone anyway. And, you know, the situation is we, we have this level of uncertainty. That should be, is the weird thing, that should be an encouragement. Because it's kind of what Jesus described the world would be like before he came back. Paul said, just before Jesus comes back, we're going to live in perilous times. And, and last week, you know, Sarah talked to us about how do you spot the difference between wolves and, and sheep? Because that is a big question for us right now. Who do we listen to and who do we rely on? Yeah. Here's what I encourage you to do. 
listen to Jesus and rely on his word. That's what I encourage you to do. And I was, I was thinking about this, and I've, I've spent quite a, a few days away working this week on, on some of the consultancy stuff I do. And one of the things that that, that allowed me to do is that last summer, um, you know, despite the, the chip shortages and all the saga, I actually managed to change my car when the, the old one came to the end of the lease. And, and when you change your car, something exciting happens because there's buttons you don't know what they do. And... And you find out that what, what was kind of a luxury five or ten years ago is now standard. And so my, my, my GPS is now a super-duper version of what my previous GPS was. And, and the thing about a GPS is it, it, tells, it, it plans your route out, but then it tells you where you're going to turn next, doesn't it? And, and we kind of need that for now. Yeah. We need to know where to turn next and what to do. Now, I'm not a big fan of these things, but, you know, what happens is at the start of every year, various ministries put out their word for the year. And, and do you remember two years ago when everything was about 2020 vision and we were all going to come into clarity and there would be incredible focus in the body of Christ and all those things around 2020 vision. And, you know, you see a lot of these things and, and some, sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not. But generally, they don't resonate with me. You know, perhaps that's just me. But this year, I, I, you know, coming into 2022, I'm going to, I'm going to the Lord. What are, you, what, what are we going to do? Where do, we, where do we go from here? I know where you want us to end up, but I don't know what the next turn is that's going to get me there. And this word resonated with me, and... I want to kind of unpack it um, because unlike all the others, I, I felt there was a, a weight on it just for us and, and obviously others, but just particularly for us. And the word was this, in 2022, you will know what to do. In 2022, you will know what to do. That's what we need, isn't it? To know what to do. And so I say, yes. And then I said, okay, so how's that work then? Because you, you, want, you want to know how it's going to work. How, how, how do I get to that point? And that's, that's the unpacking. So as I've unpacked this and, and as I, I, I've thought through it and, and looked at, at that word that was given in, in, in a bit more detail, I got led to this this place of Proverbs chapter 3, about trusting the Lord with all our heart and leaning not on our understanding. When you get down to the bottom of that passage, though, there's a really uncomfortable bit. And here's the uncomfortable bit. It's verse 12 of chapter 3, and it says this, For the Lord corrects those he loves. I, I, I think we struggle with things like that yeah. in the body of Christ now. Yeah. I think we'd rather say, well, that's Old Testament. Or that doesn't apply to me. Or, you know, it doesn't matter. Or it's not important. And of course, yes, Jesus corrects, but he doesn't, 
he's very, very nice about it. He's so nice about it, you probably won't notice. Jesus corrects those he loves. And so I ask the question, do, do I want to be loved by Jesus? What, what, what would you say if somebody asked you that question? Do you want to be loved by Jesus? I'd say, yeah, I want to be loved by Jesus. I don't want to be corrected by Jesus, though. But I do want to be loved by him. And the two go together. And so we, we get this passage. And I thought, well, maybe there's a bit of a get out here. Because Shovel's saying, like, can't, can't you just say something nice for the new year? And, and I'm thinking, well, let's get out get out. Perhaps correct doesn't mean correct. So, so I looked it up and I wrote it down. Correct means to convict, to, co to rebuke, or to repro reprove. Yeah. It means to put on the right track when somebody's going on the wrong track. Yeah. And I thought, isn't that what my GPS is doing? Yeah. To take you off the wrong track and put you on the right track. Now, here's my question. Now then, who wants to be on the right track and not the wrong track? Yeah. Who wants that sort of correction? Yeah. And I thought, yes. I can take that sort of correction if I know Jesus loves me. Because yeah. yeah. I do want to be on the right track. I want to know what to do and where we're going. And I want to know to turn right or to turn left or do this or take this decision when the time's right to take those decisions. And I want to know the right time. And so we, we get that. And, you know, you look at, I, I thought, well, okay, that's, that's good. And, and I look back at verse 12, uh, verse 11, you know, the one that comes immediately before the, the Lord corrects us, he loves. And, it, and verse 11 in the, you know, in, in the sort of normal version, it says, despise not the chastening of the Lord. So I thought, well, I'm not, going to have to, I'm not going to have to despise it when I feel God is asking me to change something or he's correcting something about me. And, you see, when God corrects us, when Jesus corrects us, when he, he does that course shift, it's going to be uncomfortable. And here's the thing, our flesh is not going to want to do it. And it's going to find ways to avoid the correction. So here's what I do with my GPS. I don't like that, that, that voice that comes out of GPSs. You know, the American lady. And so I have the sound off on mine. And, and, and I, I, so I look and watch. But if I take my eyes off it, I miss turnings. And so when, when I kind of, when, when my flesh doesn't want that sort of correction, it's like when I've not got my eyes on the GPS. And I can go merrily sauntering on, add tens and twenties of miles to my journey because I miss junctions. And, and the whole thing becomes a mess and it takes me so much longer to get where Jesus wants me to get to. And sometimes you can end up down a country track with a gate barring your way and have to reverse all the way down, back down muddy tracks. Cheryl and I once followed a, a GPS um, a few years ago when we were out in Italy and we ended up at the right place but at the wrong side 
of the, the estate this hotel was on and we couldn't get in and we had to go miles and miles round to the right side to get into the front gate. And, and so we need to deal with our flesh when this issue of correction comes up. I got two more bits of gizmos on my car. I've got this thing that, that is called lane control, and I hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the one that won't let you go across the white line unless you signal first. <laughs> but what, it, what, what it's there for is when I'm falling asleep, you know, when somebody's falling asleep, it, it helps you. And sometimes God's word has that effect on us. It kind of bats us back into line yeah. because we're falling asleep. And it says, wake up. And then I've got this, this other thing, which is uh, not so annoying for me, but it, it's kind of a bit scary, where if a car pulls into, you know when people overtake you and they cut in really quick, it breaks for me without me touching it. And, I'm, and, and then this picture of a red car comes up on my dashboard and I'm, because it's to stop you going into the back of things because you're not awake. Yeah. You're not paying attention. And in 2022, if we're going to know what to do, we're going to have to pay attention to the course corrections and all these other things that the Lord's got for us. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. And I, I'm going to read it from the message. It won't come up on the screen, so just, just listen. Don't try and follow it in yours. You can check me out because I'm going to go through the verses. You've got the message. Well done, Rog. Show off with his phone, you know. Here we go. Good friend, don't forget all that I have taught you. Take to heart my commands. Because they'll help you live a long, long time. A long life, live full and well. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. Don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. Tie them round your neck. Carve their initials on your heart. Earn yourself a reputation for living well. In God's eyes and in the eyes of people. Trust God from the bottom of your heart and don't try to figure out everything on your own. Instead, listen for God's voice in everything you do. And everywhere you go. Because he's the one who's going to keep you on track the voice of God is your GPS don't assume you know it all because Jesus isn't interested so much in what you know it's who you know yeah. so don't assume you know it all run to God and run from evil. Your body will glow with health. And your very bones will vibrate with life. 
Honour God with everything you own. Listen to this. Honour God with everything you own and give him the first and the best. Not the last and the dregs. Your barns will burst and your wine vats will brim over. But don't de-offend, resent God's discipline. Don't sulk when he lovingly corrects you. It's the child he loves that God corrects. And the father's delight is what's behind all of this. Let's just pick some things out of that. Because if we're going to know what to do in 2022, the first thing we'll have to realise is we've got to get in tune with this correction system and not reject it. And that might be hard for some. Because there's kind of a conditioning we've undergone in the last 20 or 30 years, which says Jesus would never do anything like that. And you're all, you're wonderful and perfect. And he, and he loves you very much. Whatever. So just, it's okay, isn't it? And, and the effect of that is that it's, it's destroyed and dampened down our first love for Jesus. Because when you've had 20 years of that, you end up thinking, well, it doesn't really matter if I'm not there. It doesn't really matter if Jesus isn't at the centre of my life. It doesn't really matter if I get on with my life and I never talk to him and never consult him. And all those decisions I make, well, really, I can just get by making all those decisions on my own. And only when it gets really, really rubbish and I've completely screwed up, I'll ask Jesus. That's not the sort of relationship he's talking about. But our flesh doesn't like to be told that, that our life is not our own. Because you've been bought with the price. And, and we, we, we really struggle with that concept, don't we? That we're not our own. I struggle with that concept. I don't know about you. I, I have trouble getting my head around it. But I'm not my own. I gave Jesus my life back in, in well, a little while ago. And... By the way, I love celebrating Roger's birthday because he's always older than me. It's a very important thing amongst your friends. Make sure they're always just a little bit older than you. Olive lets us down on that. Yeah, I have to say that. Paul definitely does. Esther is the youngest. So here's what it means to live that sort of life. Here's what it would look like. Verse 3 and 4. Don't lose your grip on love. And loyalty. And then he says, earn a reputation for living well in God's eyes and in the eyes of people. Isn't that fascinating? This isn't just between us and God. It should be so much between us and God that other people say, that's their reputation. When I, when I come, come into contact with that person, there's something different. I might not like it, I might like it, but there's definitely something different. 
They don't think like I do. They don't make decisions on the same basis. They're really annoying because they're not going to do anything until they think it's right with God. And they won't step over the line and compromise on stuff. And if they just compromise a little bit, they get what they want. But they won't. You know, one of the things that the enemy will offer you repeatedly is exactly what you want. He'll give you anything. As long as you don't get it God's way. And, you know, often the, the enemy will come along and he'll say, just do this, just a little compromise. Just a little compromise. You know, folks won't miss you if you're not here for a year. Just a little compromise. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just, yeah, you know. It'll all be all right in the end. Just neglect your family for a few years and you'll get to the top and then you'll be able to provide for them well. And, and he offers us all these compromises. He promises to the top. He promises the goal. He promises all our dreams as long as we won't do, don't do them God's way. And yet, the believer who follows this path of correction says, I won't do them anyway but God's way. And I'm going to do it exactly what he tells me to do. If he tells me to turn to the right, I'll turn to the right. If he tells me to turn to the left, I'll turn to the left. If he says I want three hours with you this morning, I'll give him three hours whatever it costs. And we have, we have a reputation for that. And here's, here's the next thing. He then says, you know, what, what he says is the benefit of following his commands is we live a long time. That's, I like, I like the concept of living a long time. I got really excited this week because you know that I've set my goal for 120 because that's what God sort of set it at. What I discovered is after that statement, Abraham lived to 173. So I've had to revise my estimate upwards. I'm no longer halfway through. In fact, I'm only just a third of the way through-ish. So this is cool, isn't it? I need to get fit for the next hundred and odd years. I'm convinced Jesus is coming back before that, though. And then we get, we get these verses that we talk about a lot. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. Because he's the one who keeps you on track. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. And listen for God's voice everywhere you go. That's not difficult. But we generally don't do it. Somehow there's, there's something that that blinds its sides as we fall asleep at the wheel and we kind of just get annoyed when the lane control kicks in. This year we need to hear God's voice better than we've ever heard it before. That means we've got to ask him questions. What do you want me to do about this? Do you want me to, keep, to go to that appointment? Do you want me to meet that person? Do you want me to go there? Etc, etc. And then when we hear what he says, we obey. We don't ask him and go, I didn't like that answer, Jesus. Can we have another one? 
Or, I think I heard Jesus, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. So, I'll just assume I didn't hear him quite correctly. And we, we've got great at doing that. And, and the, the answer is it leaves us really confused. <laughs> like, what can you rely on? Because we haven't tuned into hearing the voice of God. And the, 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 the Bible tells us that our spiritual senses get tuned by reason of use. So we've got to use them. And the more we use them, the more accurate it will be. So the more we'll know what to do. And, and I, I'm convinced in this that the reason our spiritual senses don't get tuned is we don't like correction and we don't like hearing the things that we don't want to do. But we, we need to set our hearts that if we believe Jesus has asked us to do something, we'll do it, even if it's not actually, you know, we, we've got to go down this process. And Jesus will honour that. He'll honour that. He'll, you know, it says here, he'll give us long life. If we give him of our best, what, what does it say? Um, Honour God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best, and your barns will burst and the vine drafts will, will brim over. Well, that's fantastic, isn't it? Everything will brim over, but it's saying that I have to listen to God in everything I do, listen to him everywhere I go, trust in him, not in me, not leaning on my own understanding, acknowledging him, putting him first in everything, and giving him of the first fruit, giving him of my best. And then my vine vats overflow. That's cool. The purpose isn't here to get my vine vats to overflow. That's because Jesus loves me. That's what happens. The purpose is to give Jesus my best, to make him the centre the course corrections will always bring us back to giving our best to Jesus. Making him number one. I guess we all know those verses, don't they? I have plans prepared for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future and all that. Not for harm, but for good. That is true. That was more true in its context because God's speaking to Israel at that time, the nation of Israel. But as we're grafted into their covenant, it's still his heart towards us. But our arrival at God's best plans for us is dependent on these course corrections along the way. He's still with me. So having said all that, here's some good news. Who wants good news? Yeah. Okay, this, this is for Shell because she says, I, you know, I have to be kind to people. So here's your good news. You know, I, have to, I have to turn that little prophetic voice off and give you some good news. God only does this for people he loves. So if this is happening to you, we should be excited because God loves you. Yeah. If he couldn't give a monkeys about you, he wouldn't be trying to correct your course. Right. Yeah. It's because he loves you and he's got better for you than going that way that you were going. Yeah. 
He's got better for you than carrying on doing the things you're doing. Because he loves you. So we should have a big... It shouldn't just be Rosie giving me a big whoop on that one. This is good news. So if I say Jesus loves you, do we get a whoop for Jesus? You see, it's okay to whoop. Even with a mask on, you can whoop. Let's practice. Let's do a loud whoop with a mask on. Yeah, that'll that'll do, yeah. (laughs) Here's the thing. This happens because Jesus loves you, not because... He's some sort of guy out to get you. He's not Zeus who's going to throw lightning bolts down at you. He's going to get there and he's going to get alongside you and he's going to say, I want you to do this. And you're not. And you know what? When you're not, it hurts me. Because I can't get my best to you. You, you, you just can't step into everything I died to give you because you're off doing your own stuff and thinking your own things and I'm being marginalised and you don't even listen because you think I'm not going to follow God and don't you be telling me what to do with my life. I used to think that, like, God, why, how can you tell me what to do with my life? And then it really dawned on me, you're like, stupid me. I gave it, he gave me the life in the first place. <laughs> I wouldn't have one if it wasn't for him. So perhaps he knows a bit better than me. So because he only does this for those he loves, that's why it says, run to God and run from evil. A lot of us, when we mess up, we run away from God. He says, run to God and away from evil. Away from doing things your own way. Away from that half-hearted commitment, that half-hearted devotion. Run away from it. That's a deception that's happened because of the enemy and his activities. That's a, you know, I touched on it last week. That's the thing that the enemy has done, is to dumb us down and think that this isn't really important. It's more important than it's ever been throughout history that believers gather together, encourage together, build each other up, devote themselves to the teaching of the word, to prayer and fellowship. More important than it's ever been at any point throughout history because we are heading for the end. It's so important. And we have to get that. Not just let the enemy say, it doesn't matter. Literally, those words, run to God and run from evil, that's the message's way of saying, fear the Lord. Well, I don't like that idea, fear the Lord. That must, that's an Old Testament thing, isn't it? Because we're not given a spirit of fear, but of love and power in a sound mind. And then we go, and then somebody that, like, really clever will come along and say, well, fear of the Lord doesn't mean you should be terrified of him. It means reverence. Well, that's all right then, isn't it? So I'm let off. I don't have to fear the Lord because it just means reverence. If 
by the very nature of the way I just treated that word, I'm not reverencing the Lord. Reverencing the Lord means that he is love with all my heart, all my mind, and all my soul, and all my strength. That's reverencing the Lord. It means he's got all of me. That's the fear of the Lord. See, the fear of the Lord, it, this is the way this GPS works. There's a thing called grace. You know, we talk a lot about grace. I'm a grace teacher. What does grace do? Grace gives you the assurance that God loves you when you're on the journey to look like him. And it stops you falling into the pit of despair that you've gone too far that he doesn't that he's not there anymore. That's grace. And, you, and, it, and it's free. And there's nothing you can do to earn it. it it's what Jesus has bought for you. And, and it's incredible. And it's that assurance that God loves you. And he's given you his spirit so that you can start to look like him. So you can get free of all the stuff that was messing your life up. He empowers you to do that. So it stops you falling off. And it keeps you going while you deal with change. But then on the other side, we've been falling off wholesale in the last two years. People have given up on God, stopped coming to church, stopped attending, stopped connecting, not even bothering. And not our church, all the church, yeah. worldwide. Churches have shut their doors never to open again. Why? Was it that we preached too much grace? No. It's because people believed that things that are basic weren't important and there was no fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord stops you taking things lightly and thinking things don't matter. And so that's what he's saying here. There's, a, there's these two healthy things, which is like my lane control. It stops me crashing into the barrier on one side and stops me going onto the other lane on the other side. And that's really important, isn't it? Because I don't want a crash. You just don't want to crash, do you? So we need both grace and we need the fear of the Lord. By the way, if, if you're upset that I've thrown the fear of the Lord in, I did warn you last week. I was, going to, I was going to mention it. I was going to come talk about it. So how does God correct? Because that's, that's kind of the thing that often makes us think, well, I don't want anything to do Here's, here's the thing. God, listen carefully. God biblically corrects in three ways. Number one, by his word. Yeah. If we aren't reading his word regularly, as in every day, we removed that element of correction. Number one, he corrects by his word. Yeah. Number two, Corrects by 
is spirit. In our conscience, in our hearts, we know where, to, where God wants us to go. We can hear his voice. The less we respond to his voice in obedience, the harder it becomes for us to hear his spirit. So we need to be careful with that. So, number one, the word. Number two, his spirit. Number three, other believers. Well, you know, Mark, I'm not sure about that. I just do, I'll I'll only do and respond to when I believe God says something and I, I don't need to listen to you. Jesus gave the church as a gift apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers and pastors. They carry a responsibility to operate in those gifts and to help you do those course corrections. So he corrects like that. So we need to be around other believers. Because left to our own devices, our flesh is kind of a hard thing to deal with. And it'll convince us we, don't, we haven't heard right and we don't need to do it. Or it'll convince us we can put it off to another day. Notice what isn't in that list. God does not correct by suffering. He doesn't correct by sickness. He doesn't correct by bringing unforeseen tragedy into your life. That's the enemy. Let's be clear on that. Jesus wouldn't come and say that the enemy came to seek, kill and destroy and then go around killing and destroying just to prove his own points. Let's nail it on the enemy. But God does correct by his word, by the spirit and by other believers. So make sure you're around some solid other believers. Not on your own, around solid other believers. Because they'll help you to that long life and that, that good life that Jesus is promising us. I'll finish in a moment. See, there is wisdom around you. I look out here and I see wisdom. In these times we live in, doing our spirituality solo is the most dangerous place to be. You need to be connected. And whilst we connected online because we couldn't do anything else, we now need to connect offline. So, if we're going to know what to do in 2022, we've got to get this concept and actually say, okay, Lord, I am willing to be corrected. And I'm willing to respond to that correction. Because correction leads us to the second thing, which is direction. So once we're willing to accept correction, 
we can work out that's where we're going. I might not know any of the turns along the way, but as I, as I follow this thing and I turn right here and left here and go straight ahead here, I can see where I'm going to. So where are you going? Where, what's the direction? And you know, one of, Cheryl says this is like just like me having a down on some things. But some things really have annoyed me over the last few years. All those things that say, come to us and discover your destiny. We can have destiny conferences. Or, uh, you know, discover, you know, have your best life. Come join our church and we've got the destiny conference. We've got the the, the, the word that's going to just tell you where you're going and all of a sudden you'll stop being that, that person who's a fantastic teacher and you'll be out there preaching to the world and all those sort of things. And it really annoys me. Do you know, this is just me being controversial and Cheryl's staring at me already. Do you know that destiny is not a biblical word? It's not a biblical concept. You have one destiny, and it's eternal. And your destiny is to know God deeper and deeper every day. And just do what he says. That brings me on to my second point. This best life now. Living your best life now. That's not a biblical concept. Dying to self is a biblical concept. Yep. Not living your best life. Because what happens? Am I living my best life till I'm 60 or 70 or 80? And what happens if I stab other people on my way to my best life? What happens if I totally ignore Jesus along the way to my best life? Dying to self is the concept. The direction, correction leads to direction. You see, that's a correction in thinking. Because the number of church conferences I have seen and the number of things where that's their vision statement has really kind of got to me. Here's the thing. We have one destination. He's called Jesus. He's everything you need. He's, every, he's got the answer to everything and every question that you could ask. Yeah. He's Jesus. He's the preeminent one, the above all one, the one who fills all in all. And all things were made by him and all things were made for his pleasure. That Jesus. So correction leads to direction and the direction we're heading in is Jesus. We lay aside the world to find the one who made the world. Yeah. We lay down our own life to let him live his life through us. 
that's the most glorious invitation in the world. It's, it's, worth, it's worth getting a few corrections for. As Cheryl said, I've got a lot more to say. But I'll come on to that next week. It's so important this time that if we are going to know what to do, our direction, our end destination has to be Jesus. Amen. Not what we've made it. The end destination has to be Jesus. I don't want to turn up into heaven and find out that I didn't know Jesus. But I was great at doing church. I want to turn up into heaven and go, I, need you. I know you, Jesus. I, 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 can, I know exactly what you're saying. Because you wrote it on my heart too. Let's stand. Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you love me beyond anything, that you were willing to lay aside the glories of heaven and all of your power and all of your riches and come to earth to die for me. And I thank you that you gave me New life through your spirit. When I was dying in my old one. And Lord, I pray that you would do a work in my heart, in my flesh, that I would welcome your course corrections. I would welcome that voice that tells me to turn right or to the left or straight ahead. Because... I hear you when you say that correction leads me in the direction of you and deeper into your heart. And that is really what I need. Where the answers are, where the love is, where the strength is, where the comfort is, where the life is, and where the wisdom is to know what to do. So I thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. You might need to think about that, but you can amen it too if you want, what I've talked about this morning. So if you want to amen it, just amen it now. Thank you, Jesus. You see, when we amen, it means I agree. I'm coming into agreement with that. And... Uh, I just think it's so important we get this right now. It's not going to be comfortable. Uh, it's not something that I actually want to preach on. Because Cheryl likes me to preach things that, 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 that keep people calm. And that, more importantly, keep me calm at home. <laughs> but I do think it's really key. Because 
I, I don't want to lose souls. I don't want people falling off at either edge. Amen? Amen. 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 So, uh, offering, if you want to put in the offering today, there are uh, buckets either side on the tables as you go out. There's envelopes there to put your offering in. Uh, if you give online or you give by bank transfer, carry on doing that. Don't want to interrupt that. That's brilliant. That's really helpful. And uh, so be blessed. Have a great week. We love you. We love all of you. And uh, don't fall off left or right. Just keep going. Get the GPS attached and get going. Amen. Amen. Amen.